0: We thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for blessing us, for speaking to us, Father. We thank you for the divine uh, privilege, Father, of healing and health in our bodies. We thank you, Father, that your word is clear, that you've given us insight and revelation, Father, to the divine plan and will of God to stay healed and remain healed. Uh, Father, we thank you for that great blessing. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God, we are talking about uh, some of the Uh, causes that um, Brother Bothersworth has put in his book about why people don't receive their healing. And so we finished up last week about uh, that it could be due to the unbelief of the elder or the minister who's praying. Uh, You reckon that's always the case? That's not always the case. None of these are always the case. Um, And so I would be... uh, In fact, there was a story uh, about this fellow that... um, He had gone to, um, uh, I think it was Amy Simple McPherson's um, ministry, and uh, she was having a healing conference. And so uh, he had had some kind of a hernia. uh, And the way that the the meetings operated was you had to go and get a card checked off or punched or something for five services before they would let you in the healing line. And so, yeah, if you up to, wanted to go for healing, you'd have to present your cards. That I've been to five services, and so I'd like to be uh, prayed for for healing. And so he did that. He went through the whole process. And so basically, you have to be there the whole week. And, and um, uh, he did that and got through the line and, and got prayed for and received his healing. Uh, and so, um, so praise God. You know, he's happy. Everybody's, everybody's good. And with uh, within a uh, sometime after that, a few years after that, uh, he had uh, another uh, situation arise and it may have been another hernia or, or something uh, similar to that uh, and went back to the same process, went back to the to the ministry, got his card punched so many times, got prayed for and nothing happened. Uh, and, um, and and in his judgment was, well, they just ain't got it there no more. You know, I mean, they used to have it. Uh, they had it when I got healed the first time, but they haven't got any more. So, you know, he, he believes that they were in unbelief, and so then he started going around to a lot of the other uh, healing ministers of the day uh, and go through their prayer lines and whatever process that they had, and um, uh, and wasn't getting healed. And so his, his assumption was, well, nobody's got it. You know, uh, everybody's lost it. And so he he finally ended up in one of Brother Hagan's meetings. And um, Brother Hagam's teaching about faith. You know, your faith has got something to do with it. Amen. And uh, the Lord is merciful. And uh, if you haven't developed your faith yet, then, uh, you know, a lot of times there's mercy. And he provides, you know, the the mercy of the healing, um, the gifts of healings, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's really a mercy because it requires little or no faith on the receiver's part when the Lord moves supernaturally upon a minister to uh, operate in that, that gift of healing, uh, which is convenient for the receiving end, right? Uh, but the, pr- the problem with that is the Lord does not intend for us to stay as immature Christians, amen? He doesn't intend for us to stay as baby Christians and uh, in, a, in a such a way that, you know, we're not practicing faith, we're not trying to develop faith, we're not trying to uh, increase our faith. We just want to stay as a baby Christian all of our lives. And and some people have that mentality, well, I'd rather somebody else do it all for me. But the the problem with that mentality is that's not how the Lord uh, developed the church, right? He always intended for us to grow and to increase, go from faith to faith, glory to glory, increase our faith as we go along, and uh, and then obtain things by faith that we once could obtain by mercy. Uh, and so uh, the problem with that is that many times people will experience the... the uh, reception by mercy but never put the work in to develop their own faith and so when things stop working they just make excuses like well the elder or the minister doesn't have faith anymore so it's their fault Uh, and so in that particular service or services that he went to with brother Hagen he I think he went up to brother Hagen and said you know I'm starting to figure out that I you know I've got something to do with this my faith has got something to do with this uh, and eventually he received his healing, but he received his healing by his own faith uh, for that second uh, case of sickness. Uh, and so it had nothing to do with the, the faith of the individuals uh, praying for people. It had everything to do with the, the faith of the person on the receiving end. And a lot of these healing evangelists would get together and they'd compare notes. And, and one of the things they would say on a regular basis is we're never so glad in the healing line to get through all the Pentecostal people uh, because they rarely ever receive healing. Uh, And and, uh, we like getting to the Baptist folks, you know, the Methodist folks, because they receive their healing. Even Roman Catholic folks, they receive their healing. Well, why is that? Is it because they don't have healing? Well, no, the Pentecostal people have been taught healing more than the other ones. But that's the problem is they were taught healing but didn't exercise faith in the teaching. Uh, And so that's always... But, you know, all those other Baptist folks and other folks like that, you know, it's the same story. If they come back in the next year, will they get healed? Well, I don't know. You know, but they've come back five times in a row for healing. You know, will they get it every single time? Well, my my suspicion is no, because after a time or two, once the revelation that, oh, God will heal me comes into your heart, then the Lord expects you to to maintain that faith that God is a healer yeah. and that if he's a healer, then he'll heal me without me having to go to somebody, you know, I thank God that we can go to people, but, so just be careful that, you know, if you don't get healing, that you blame it on somebody else, amen, uh, because even if it's true, that they don't have faith, you know, if you had faith, and went to somebody who, you know, didn't have a lot of faith, but you asked them to just go through the motions of, anointing with oil, or, you know, laying hands on you, you could receive healing, you know, as long as there wasn't anything weird, you know, cultish, or anything like that going on, maybe, but, and uh, and so, Uh, You know, it's uh, it's possible to to uh, uh, irrespective of their uh, faith. Besides that, uh, even if they had no faith, because a lot of people go to a church where the minister has no faith for healing. And yet do people in that church obtain healing sometimes? Sure they do. Uh, And so uh, and a lot of times they they obtain the healing uh, in that church because of their own faith, regardless of the minister uh, that's uh, leading the church in uh, in particular, there. So, so just know that it's never an excuse. Well, the minister doesn't have faith because the Lord requires all of us to have faith. Amen. And He desires all of us to have faith, and so we all can. We all can get it. And th- you know, the the thing that I like about the whole topic of healing and really the whole way that the Lord has set everything up is, you know, I don't need the faith of somebody else for me to receive from the Lord. I can always receive everything I need from the Lord. Now, getting that faith may require me to listen to somebody right listen to you know listen to a minister the lord, the lord has placed the fivefold minister gifts in the church for the perfecting of the saints well one of the ways that we're supposed to perfect the saints uh, is to cause them to mature and to grow up in their faith uh, so uh, you may need to be under a ministry in a sense of de- to being able to develop your faith but uh, i don't I, once i have my own faith I don't have to always go find somebody else to obtain things from the Lord. I can just do it on my own. And thank God that we have churches that are teaching faith uh, and uh, we can develop our own faith. But I like it that I don't, I don't have to have now, you know, on occasion, if I've not been able to receive healing on my own, I will go and, and require and request somebody to help me, you know, lay hands on me or whatever. I got no problem with that. Uh, and then I'll find out from the Lord, you know, what the deal was that I wasn't able to receive on my own. Uh, but, um, but you can always receive anything by faith that the gifts of the spirit were, were manifesting uh, supernaturally and sovereignly by God uh, within you know, the constraints of the will of God, right so you can 't, uh, for example, believe God for your own being raised from the dead because you 're dead, right and so you know there will be some practical limits to that, but uh, for the everyday things, you know uh, you can exercise your own faith, amen uh, and so uh, then the next uh, the next um, uh, statement that Brother Bosworth said that in order to obtain healing, that an evil spirit must be cast out, uh, and so you can look at that from a, a couple different ways. Uh, one one way is that some people are under the impression that all healings are due to a demonic presence, uh, and we know just from because we went through every single healing example uh, and did every healing example in the scriptures have a demonic spirit involved. Uh, no, they didn't, right? Now we know, you know, Mark 16 says that uh, the believers uh, shall, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe and that my name they shall cast out devils. So we do know that as Christians, we have the authority to cast out devils. Uh, but the problem with, with uh, the church many times is we love the theater of church, right? We like to look like we're having church. We like to look like we're doing something uh, and so a lot of times we become carnal and we have just play church, you know, and and, and um, uh, I was born again in, in the uh, uh, in the 80s uh, and in, in the 80s, it, everything was a devil. Right. Uh, you know, if you if you ha- were in a bad mood, that's because of a devil. You know, if you tripped and fell, it was because of a devil. If uh, you know, you had uh, just. You sad one day that was because of a devil. If you were one to give into anger, that was because of a devil. And, and the problem with that do, the doctrine is you're never responsible for anything. It's either God or the devil. You've got nothing to do with it. Uh, and you know, as a young Christian, and even as a young person, you know, I was observing people that they were saying devils, and I, and I just kind of made a note to myself. Like, I don't think that. I think they're just mean. I don't think they got a devil. I think they're just a mean person. You know. And some people are just mean, right? And no, no devils there. They're just mean and ornery. And, and, and uh, they, they, they need meanness cast out of them. But that's not a devil. That's just they need to grow up, right? And um, remember we read this morning about put off the old man? Well, a lot of times people yield to the old man and they act like the old man. They talk like the old man. They, they do things like the old man. Well, the, the Bible didn't say cast, cast the old man out, right? He said put him off. But, it, but it's not something that, like a devil has to be cast out. It's just you exercising your authority over your own life. And so number one, all sickness and disease is not due to a demonic uh, spirit. So, uh, well, how do you know if there's a demonic spirit involved? Well, unless the Lord supernaturally reveals that to you, you just assume that there's not, I mean, you know, and, and even if there was, if the Lord doesn't reveal it to you, then it's not necessary to know that there's, there's a devil there. Uh, and so, uh, and, and you know, if if you're not getting any success, you can stop and pray and spend some time with the Lord, to find out what's going on in that circumstance, to see if there is a demonic uh, influence in there. Uh, but even if that's even if that's the case, right? Even if the sickness and disease is due to a demonic presence, it doesn't mean that that. Uh, uh, in fact, let's turn to Acts chapter 19. Uh, you know, the devil we don't need to give him a lot of credit for things, right? Uh, And and we don't need to act like he's all powerful and and big and scary and these things. You know, he's just a nuisance, right? He's a bully and he's a nuisance. And we deal with him appropriately by faith. But here in Acts chapter 19, it says in verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. So how many devils were actually cast out by Paul that he went and spoke to him and laid hands on him or something and cast the devil out? None. In this particular case, they were sending what we call them prayer cloths today. Uh, they'll take a, a cloth that, was, uh, that uh, had uh, uh, been touched by Paul. And so uh, when that happened, then, then the power of God that was in Paul's life, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, was transferred into that material, and it has the ability to be carried to a distance and uh, laid upon somebody, and to effect a healing and a cure. But it's still the same power of God. Whether it's me laying hands on you or a prayer cloth being laid upon you, it's the same power of God. So it's not different or weird. It's just uh, it's just the same power of God. But with those prayer cloths being laid upon the sick person, uh, a devil was was uh, removed by that. Uh, uh, just because that prayer presence there, so it wasn't cast out of them. It was it left because of the presence of the Spirit of God, uh, and so uh, and let's let's uh, we can look at it, just a couple more examples here over in in Matthew chapter twelve. He said here in um, verse twenty two. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then there was brought unto him, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb spake and saw. There's no, no comment in here or note in here about casting the devil out. It's just he healed him, right? Uh, and so, and, and maybe that, that's, uh, well, we'll look at one more example here that's even more clear about that. Uh, and it says here, uh, this is in Matthew chapter 15, which is, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, the woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So uh, we don't know what that was manifesting itself as, but it sounds pretty scary, right? Grievously vexed or sadly troubled. Uh, by a, a devil or a demon. And of course, what was Jesus' response? So he said, well, he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, uh, I am not sent, but unto that lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat or good to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's tables. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So did Jesus cast the devil out of the daughter? Did he, did he lay hands on the daughter? Did he even speak to the devil remotely here and say, Devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You stop uh, harassing this daughter. No, uh, just her faith alone got the job done, right? So the point the point of the discussion is, um, you know, don't don't be looking for a devil to cast out for every sick, every situation, because you will find a few. Uh, And, and, um, you know, I mean, I've talked to people. Before that were very devil conscious, everything was a devil. Uh, and, And the problem is the devil will eventually accommodate you and he'll start operating in your life and then, then you're in a worse case than you, than you were when you started this whole thing. But some people are always looking for devils. And, and, but you have to have the confidence that whether there's a devil there or not, the power of God is able to overcome. Yeah. Uh, and so it doesn't matter if you know that there's a devil there or not know there's a devil there. The only time that it matters is if it matters, right? And, the, and, and then if it matters in that moment, then I believe the Spirit of God will instruct you and show you there's a devil here, you need to cast it out. Uh, and you remember with, with the Gadarene demoniac, you know, that Jesus had been saying, uh, talking to the devil to cast him out and he didn't leave. In that case, he found out the name of it. And then he told it to go. And, they, and they, but they still left. But in that case, you know, uh, with the Gadarene demoniac, uh, Jesus got the name of it. But before that, before he got the name of it, he was just doing like the like he always does. Amen. Just uh, speaking to now in that case, he knew that there was a devil involved in that. Uh, but we looked at, you know, uh, three different cases here where although there were devils involved, nobody specifically cast the devil out. And yet they still obtained healing and deliverance, right? Uh, and so just know, is there any law? No law. Uh, but if, if uh, I can guarantee you, if you think every time you, you um, uh, deal with a sick person that you cast out a devil, you'll get into error real quick. Amen. Uh, in fact, I think I told you the story for me years ago that... Uh, this was back, um, well, now it's been uh, 10, 20, 24 years ago. It'd be 24 years ago in mm-hmm. October. Uh, and um, uh, I, I'd had uh, strep throat, and, um, uh, and I had been getting it, you know, a couple times a year or so. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, it, once you get something like that, you know, it's a pretty common uh, sickness that people get. Uh, And if you had it uh, enough times, you kind of know the progression of it. You know, you start with kind of, you know, a little achy and sore and you have a kind of a scratchy throat and then your throat, you know, closes up and then you can't uh, you can't talk. You know, I would lose my voice for a couple of days, couldn't even talk at all. Uh, And then you get sick and you couldn't keep anything on your stomach. And and um, uh, and so but this was going on, you know, a couple of times a year, maybe once a year or so for a long time and um and it and they would start happening and i would start binding the devil and cast him out of my body and all these things and it um, and wasn't getting any success and so finally i went to the lord and he said well the problem is there's not a devil involved in this sickness and disease and you're trying to cast the devil out when there's not one there uh, and so if you're casting a devil out that doesn't exist then how how effective are you going to be well you're not gonna be effective right uh, and so And so I learned, you know, in in that case, unless uh, unless the Spirit of God instructs and reveals to me that there's a demonic presence that needs to be cast out, not even just that there's a demonic presence, because the demonic the presence is not what determines whether you need to cast a devil specifically by saying I, you know, I rebuke you devil, you come out of this person. Uh, It's when the Spirit of God directs you that you need to cast out the devil. So even if you knew there was a devil in there, would would you have to? say those words i bind you devil in the name of jesus you come out of this body would you would it be necessary to do that even if you knew there was a devil no because we've got several cases here where the devil got no attention at all got no glory for the circumstance at all and you know you don't ever want to glorify the devil Uh, but sometimes in a church we want to glorify the experience right and we want to make sure there's there's a devil and we cast the devil out and i mean i've been through so many so many deliverance services and you know, but I'm not opposed at all to casting out devils. You know, some sometimes we get we go out the other extreme, right? Well, all of that was fake, and you know, and a lot of it was it wasn't so much fake. I mean, they weren't uh, they, these were real things people were dealing with, but uh, people just assumed that there was a devil. So uh, you don't need to ca- the, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, there's no devils operating. You know, there's pl- always plenty of devils operating, but don't make a law that. Uh, if there's something going on that you gotta cast a devil out, you only need to cast out devils uh, when the when the spirit of God is, is directing you to do that, and and He may or will, you know. So so don't uh, write it off that it'll never happen, Amen. Uh, and so uh, don't make a law, Amen, and don't play church either. Uh, you know, I've had so many devils cast out of me over the years. You know, devils of not crying and devil, you know, uh, devils of sadness and whatever. And, and most of it was, in fact, really all of it was just theater, right? None of it was true. Uh, but, um, you know, the people's hearts were sincere and they, you know, they didn't know any better and they hadn't been really taught anything. They just that everything is a devil, right? Uh, and uh, and the problem with, with that was all those people that were taught those things, none of them were ever required to change and grow. They could stay exactly the way they were because none of it was their fault. All of it was the fault of a devil somewhere. Uh, and so... Um, so just be careful. Amen. So uh, you don't always have to cast the devil out. Every sickness is not due to a devil and even some that are you don't even need to pay attention to the devil at all. Just uh, command them to be healed and, and the power of God will override the devil and there's no devil who wants to stick around in the, in the presence of the glory of God. So um, so there you go. Amen. So um, th- then the next thing that uh, uh, he mentioned was about the, the sick person's sin uh, and uh, he said that uh, that the issue is due to unconfessed sin. And now he didn't give any, any book, chapter, verse for this, you know. And, and so I'm always a little leery of any doctrine that doesn't have book, chapter, and verse as a foundation, right? Um, and so although it sounds reasonable, um, let's turn over to um, um, to Luke chapter 5. Of course, this isn't the only example, but it's a good example here. So in, in uh, Luke chapter 5, in verse uh, 17, it says, And it came to pass in a, on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord, the supernatural miracle working power of the Lord, was present to heal him. Well, why was the power of the Lord present to heal him? Because Jesus was there, right? If he was there, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Uh, And, you know, if you're if you're somewhere, then the power of the Lord is present to heal. Amen. Uh, And so and behold, men brought in a bed, uh, uh, brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy. uh, And they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst of before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, uh, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And of course, they got all upset about that. Uh, and uh, he comes down to verse 24, and uh, but, that, that, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. So, you know, Brother Bosworth's statement was that it's unconfessed sins that are hindering you from receiving your, from receiving your healing. But the story we just read, uh, this man that, that came into this house, brought by his friends, how many sins did he confess to the Lord Jesus? Zero, right? Did he obtain healing? He did. Was there a problem with sin prior to him being healed? Well, apparently there was because Jesus dealt with it, didn't he? Uh, and so was sin a hindrance to him receiving a healing? Well, apparently it was. Uh, but was the issue of him not re- not repenting or confessing his sins or was the issue of him not being forgiven of his sins? So that's really the issue, right? So the issue is not so much uh, of something that... that uh, uh, that you need to confess, you know, I mean, you can confess it, right? But the issue is you need to be forgiven. So Jesus just forgave the man uh, in a sovereign way, which is great. Uh, so, you know, I just, it was just, it's a little bit of a, of a nuance there. But, um, you know, if there's sins, and we, and we I think, talked about this um, in um, uh, in Judgment and Repentance about how that you can help other people obtain forgiveness for sins, can't you? Uh, Remember, Jesus did on the cross, right? Stephen did it uh, uh, when he was stoned. Jesus did it here. Uh, Somebody received uh, forgiveness with the receiving person doing nothing. Uh, And now will that work in every single case? I don't know that it'll work in every single case, but it will work. Uh, And so, uh, you know, you may have the ability to pray for somebody's sins to be forgiven uh, on their behalf so that they can receive healing. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think you need to be directed by the Spirit of God to do that, because I don't know that we have a general faith that we can do that in every single case. But since we've seen several cases of that in the Word of God, clearly there's something there. Uh, and so uh, so the issue is, uh, it's not that, well, they need, they need to confess their sins before they'll be healed. This man didn't do it. Uh, and so if this man didn't do it, unless Jesus is, is uh, doing something that's unlawful, which I can't imagine we would say that, but... Uh, uh, the man still received his healing, amen? So it's really uh, all sins need to be forgiven, and sometimes the sin uh, the sin itself is a hindrance to them receiving it, but you can help that person receive forgiveness, amen, without them confessing. Well, you need to stand up and confess before the whole church, you know, all your sins before you can be healed. Did this man have to confess anything in front of anybody? No. Uh, did Jesus, he probably knew what the sins were, you know, maybe he did, he would have been known by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so... Um, uh, it's just uh, be careful um, uh, the, the thing that I see is that that people in a church a lot of times want to find uh, something to blame somebody well it 's your fault, you know or, you know you 're a terrible person or and they 'll make this strong law well, you need to confess your sins, all these things, and yet we have scripture that nobody confessed any sins, Jesus forgave the sins, and they were still healed, so um Sin does need to be dealt with if it's the hindrance, right? And you would not only know that by the Spirit of God. Because, number one, the Lord's not going to tell you what somebody else's sins are just randomly. You know, you're walking down the street. Hey, that guy over there, you know, he just robbed the bank. You know, that would be kind of gossip, right? But if they come to you for healing, like this man came to Jesus for healing, I believe the Lord would show you, well, in order for since they came to you, then, then they're asking for help. I think he would show you what the circumstances in their life are. To what level, you know, that's up to the Lord to decide that. He may just say they have sin that they need to forgive. They need to need to receive forgiveness for and, and uh, tell them that they're forgiven. Uh, and, you know, you could do that uh, according to the, to the direction of the Spirit of God. You could do that. Uh, and then they could receive uh, their healing. Amen. Uh, and so. So just be careful about making these strong statements about, you know, this or that and. Uh, well, if they don't receive healing, they must, have, they must have some unconfessed sin, right? That's even worse, right? Uh, uh, or hidden sin or secret sin. Uh, and, and sometimes people hear that and they don't get healed. And so in their mind then, well, I've got some sin that I'm not aware of that I've done that I need to be forgiven for, but since I don't know what it is, that, that's a hindrance. And so, you know, until I find out what that is, well, there's really no such thing as a secret sin you know, uh, in the moment that Spirit God will always tell you what that is, amen? Uh, He'll always let you know in the moment uh, that you're committing a sin because uh, He doesn't want you to commit sin. So that whole, you know, th- that gets into some weird uh, psychological stuff that we need to avoid in the church, amen? Uh, and so uh, let the Lord reveal to you if, if there's a hindrance, and if He doesn't say anything, then uh, then you just assume there's nothing there for you to know. If someone comes to you for healing, and uh, they've not gotten it from, from a thousand other people. That's not, you know, that, that doesn't mean they're in sin. It could be a lot of things, just like the fellow that went to all these other healing evangelists. He didn't receive healing because he was in sin. He didn't receive healing because uh, it was he needed to be walking in faith. Uh, and so, well, that's still sin. Well, whatever, you know, I mean, people are going to try to find, always trying to accuse somebody of something. Uh, but uh, it was a simple matter for him to adjust that. Amen. Uh, and so... So the point, the point of it is, it's not necessary for uh, sin, uh, for you to confess a sin. Now, I know, you know, and listen to a lot of Brother Hagin stories, you know, uh, he'll be praying for somebody. And on a rare occasion, he'll say, well, what are you going to do about so-and-so? You know, some circumstance or situation that the Lord revealed to him. Uh, and uh, I think one time he, he said, what are you going to do about paying your tithes? <laughs> so, uh, and the man said, well, I guess I'll start. And Brother Hagin said, well, uh, then you can be healed, you know. And now he didn't know, he hadn't talked to the pastor to find out what everybody's tithing records were, but the Lord showed him that man, having been dealt with, you know, a a lot of times a sin is the Lord comes to you and says, hey, I need you to start doing this thing, whatever it is. And you say, well, no, I'm not going to do that thing, whatever that is. Well, now you're in sin, right, because you're in rebellion to the Lord. And so it could be paying your tithes, it could be being nice to your neighbor, it could be not, uh, you know cheating on your wife or whatever it is amen uh and so uh, so just know the lord is always looking if, if there's a way he's going to find a way to get you healed amen he's not trying to keep you from being healed he's trying every way in the world to, to get you healed uh and so uh let's turn over to the book of revelation chapter 3 so in uh, Revelation chapter 3, we have the story of the uh, Laodicean church. Now, there were seven churches talked to by the Lord in um, chapters 2 and 3. In every other church, he had some good things to say about them. He had some bad things to say about them. Uh, Laodiceans, he only had bad things to say about them. So be a good place not to be from, right? Uh, and so uh, he said here... In verse 14, and he said, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the amen and the the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art uh, neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, barely warm, uh, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Uh, And so, uh, Brother Bollesworth is saying that one of the reasons why uh, the church doesn't receive healing is because we are lukewarm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we should be hot or cold for God. Um, and, and I'm not really sure, you know, he didn't really go into a lot of details but what he meant by that. But if you go back into the Old Testament, uh, being hot or cold, you remember when the nation of Israel was, was traveling in the wilderness. And um, what, was, what was over them during, during the day? Cloud by day, what was uh, over them at night? Fire by night, right? Cloud by day, fire by night. Well, why was a cloud there during the day? Because it was hot, right? It was hot outside, right? And why was there a fire there at night? It was cold, right? In the wilderness, it's cold out there. And so, uh, you well, you, you, you were close, right? Uh, and so, but, but if you think about it, um, the Lord did that, and so... Uh, they had the knowledge that we need the Lord in our life. We need the Lord to watch over us during the day because it's hot. We need that covering at, during the day because of the heat. And we, we know that we need the Lord at night because it's cold. Uh, and, you know, and I think what Jesus is saying here, uh, you always need to be in a state of mind that I always need the Lord. And you don't need to be, eh, you know, I'll be all right, you know. I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I know, no big deal. You know. I go to church, yeah, I don't want to go to church. You know, it's, it doesn't really matter if I go to church or not. You know, that's lukewarm. When, when you don't know in a desperate way that you need the Lord in your life, then you're really lukewarm in that area, right? Maybe all of the areas of your life, maybe only one area in your life. But uh, uh, this church, right, this is written to a church. No, it's not written to just random people, it's written to a church uh, that the, the church was not passionate about their need for the Lord in their life that maybe they just got to wear. Well, we just like having church because we like the fellowship of people. We like to eat, you know, we like to get together and tell stories. And, you know, that, that's not, there's no passion in that, right? And then the Lord wants us to be passionate about him. Uh, and so, uh, do you need the Lord? Do you know that you need the Lord? You know, it doesn't really, uh, uh, it, it's a true statement that you need the Lord whether you believe it or not, right? You all need the Lord. I need the Lord. Um, where, where the issue is, is when you don't know that you need the Lord or when you don't believe, well, you know, uh, and a lot of people, well, you go to church for a crutch. You know, you need a crutch in your life. I don't need a crutch And everybody says that, it's a bunch of crippled people, right? Uh, it's only crippled people who ever say stuff like that because in their minds they're crippled and their hearts they're crippled, you know, and their emotions are crippled. Uh, but they'll say that about you, right? And they'll act like, well, I don't need anything. Uh, no, I know I need the Lord and I need the Lord desperately every day. I need the Lord in every area of my life every day. Uh, and I'm not, I don't want to be like the Laodiceans and just, you know, you know, no big deal, you know? Uh, and so, uh, if you're that way, right? If you're like, well, I don't really need the Lord. I, you know, I, I make it on my own. Um, you know, people in a church still think things like that, right? Uh, and so what are they doing? Well, they're on their own taking gizzard juice and, you know, taking this vitamin and that vitamin and doing, you know, doing all these exercises and doing all these things. And. Well, what are they doing? Well, they're doing it on their own. You know, I don't need the Lord. I don't need the healing stuff, you know. Um, I'd rather sit on the couch and stay healed than have to take a bunch of pills and, and, uh, and walk six miles every day in order to guarantee my health. I have no problem people walking or taking medicines or vitamins or anything, but, you know, my, my faith is not in those things. My faith is in the Lord, amen? Uh, and so be fine if you take all that stuff and I'm not preaching against those things. It's just sometimes we think, well, Lord, I can, I've got this. I know that if I, you know, according to the doctors, if I walk 10,000 steps a day, not 9,999, because you'll die if, it, if it's that, but if it's 10,000, you'll make it somehow. Is that magic number rolls over, you know, and somehow it's, it's your body, go, okay, you've got 10,000 steps, and then you're good, right? Uh, but you see, in our minds, a lot of times, we don't even realize that we become lukewarm that, well, Lord, I don't, you know, I, I can do this. I, I'm good. Lord, I, I eat good every day. I get plenty of rest every day. You know, I take my vitamins every day. I, I do. So I'm good, Lord. I don't, you know, you don't need to heal me. I'm good. No, I want the, the uh, uh, what Paul said that if, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal bodies. Well, I want that that eternal life that's already residing in me to cause my physical body to remain alive, uh, regardless of my circumstances. Amen. Amen. Uh, and and so you know, if you're if you're in that mentality, then you're good, right? But if you're like, Lord, I got this, you know, then, then you need to be careful because you may end up looking like the Laodiceans and, you know, just, yeah, you know, whatever, just, you know, whatever. It's not that big of a deal, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, um, you know, there's so much information out there uh, that people think that they can use that information to replace God. And some people are of the opinion that we know more now than we've been, all mankind's ever known. So therefore, you know, we're nearly like God. And go talk to the folks at at the Babylonian, right? The, the uh, uh, Babylonian Tower, right? Tower of Babel. Uh, go ask them how that worked out for them, right? Because we all think we're so smart, right? Um, in fact, I think I've said it before, but at the turn when the when the when the calendar turned from the 1800s to the 1900s, uh, some unintelligent person wrote in a paper, or I think it was in Time Magazine or something that that everything that can be known uh, is now known. Because at that, you know, that was right in the middle of the Industrial Revolution, right? And they were building these gigantic machines and they could do all kinds of things, cotton jill and, you know, I mean, all these uh, fantastic machines. And I thought, well, if it's known, we already know it. Well, that was before the invention of the airplane, the rocket, before we went to the moon, before we de- uh, built computers, you know, uh, television, uh, interstate systems, you know, uh, you know, slinkies, I mean, uh, all the things that were invented after that point in time, you know, that, um, um, you know, they thought they knew so much. And even now, oh, look at all these computers. Just, what a yawn, right? I mean, yeah, they're nice tools, but, I mean, it, it doesn't, the, the, it's just a collection of information, right, that we've stumbled upon over the centuries, uh, but uh, just ask them how gravity works. Well, how does it? how does I mean, we know that gravity works, and we can measure how gravity works, and we can calculate how gravity works, but how does it actually work? Where does it come from, right? Ask them about how magnets work. Just, you got two pieces of metal, and and one's a magnet. How does it actually pull that, where's that, you know, there's no strings attached to it, right? How does it work? Well, they can calculate, measure it, tell you how, how strong it is, but they can't tell you how it actually works, you know? I mean, it's still magic to them. They don't know, and uh, and uh, and they may never know. The Lord may be like mm, I'm just going to hold something in my own pocket. You know, I'm going to few things. I'm never going to tell you how it works until you get to be in heaven. Uh, and so He may tell us, I don't know. But uh, nobody knows right now. Uh, and um, so anytime you know men get foolish and think that we know something, right? It's just. Uh, uh, in fact, I was uh, I was doing some studying, some technical studies about things, and they, there's this one number that they use in all these calculations, right? It's just has to do with gravity. And they know exactly what that number is to like eight decimal places or 16 decimal places. You know, we know this number. It's just that, this number. And if you're going to do anything with gravity or you do anything with, with uh, launching rockets, you got to use this number in your equations. Uh, and they said, our problem is we have no I, no idea why it's this number. It's this number. It works everywhere. But, but why is it this number and not maybe a different number, right? But what well, we know is that number. We just don't know why. Okay, well, then you don't know everything, right? And, and I mean, that's... That's basically the fundamental laws of physics, right? Every planet is, operates with use, use that same number. Every rocket ship they ever launched uses that number. Every satellite, when they went to Mars, you know, they just landed on Mars, they use that number. But nobody knows why it's that number. It's just that number, right? Uh, and there's a lot of things like that in science that it's just, that, it's just the way it is, right? Uh, and, but uh, well, why is it that way? We don't know why it's that way. It's just that way, right? And so that should all keep us humble and realizing we need the Lord operating in our lives, amen? And to uh, um, uh, to think otherwise, then we become lukewarm to the Lord. Well, you know, we're, we're just about God anyway, you know. Uh, and it, it, it's a hopelessly sad statement to make something like that, right? Uh, and so uh, one of the things that uh, Brother Boswell said, another one, he said, unwillingness to surrender to God uh, and uh, getting outside the will of God is dangerous. Uh, and, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, the Lord showed me this one time about the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament, a lot of times people were uh, approached the Old Testament as uh, God said, do this. If you don't, I'm going to smack you upside the head. Uh, and so that a lot of times people will read the Old Testament as a threat. You they read Deuteronomy chapter 28. You know, if you obey me, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. But if you disobey me, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And they, they, they see that as a threat uh, from the Lord. But really, those things should be uh, taken not as a threat, but a warning that a loving God gave to his people that, hey, inside of my covenant, there's blessing and increase and joy and prosperity. Outside of my covenant, outside of my will is... Uh, destruction and death and sickness and poverty and all these things. Uh, so if you're smart, stay over here by me. That's what a loving God would do, right? Uh, and so, uh, but that's not how people, they always take it as, well, God's just doing all this on his own. He's He's killing people and he's saving people because uh, that's what a loving God would do. You know, on the one hand, he'd kill you. On the other hand, he'd save you. But uh, well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, but staying in the will of God, you know, really can't be overly emphasized right i mean it, it's something that is is really important uh in fact uh, uh we'll read the verse over in ephesians chapter 4 and I, I know we know this verse but um in ephesians chapter 4 he said um well it's, well we can just keep on reading this right um uh well we'll just read verse 27 it said neither give place to the devil uh, and that word place there means license to the devil. Don't give license to the devil. So uh, you want to stay in the will of God uh, because if you, if you don't stay in the will of God, then, then that's how you give place to the devil, right? Uh, you give place or license to, to the devil to operate in your life by you stepping outside um, the will of God, amen? So let's turn over to Romans chapter 12 and look at one of the uh, quick verses here. In Romans chapter 12, he says in verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, so that's really almost a begging that Paul did to the, the, um, because the beseech is a very strong word there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one of the things here that we observe is that there are different levels of the will of God that you can live in, right? Uh, Ideally, you live in the perfect will of God, the fullness of the will of God. But, you know, you may just be a little bit weak and just living in the good will of God. You know, I mean, over here, doing everything God wants me to over here, you know, maybe not so much, right? Uh, And that's really the struggle of all Christians in their lives is how close to living in the perfect will of God can we be? And I believe that the closer that you live in the perfect will of God, the, the more perfect your life is, right? The more uh, that you have, live in divine health, right? Not just sick getting healed all the time, but living in divine health where you're just never sick ever. Uh, and um, uh, I think that's a place that we can live in. Uh, and, um, uh, but we have to decide how much of the will of God are we, use, are we willing to pursue. Yeah. And, you know, when it's easy, it's easy. But, but uh, sometimes the Lord will say, hey, I need you to stop doing this thing right here or start doing this thing over here. Uh, and then if that's, uh, you know, maybe something we've not wanted to do, you know, then it's an issue. Right. And and it's never an issue until it's an issue. It's never an issue until, you know, the Lord reveals this to you in your heart. Hey, this particular thing, you don't need to do that. Uh, and, you know, I remember years ago that they were talking about. Um, uh, one of the healing evangelists name was uh, Jack Cole, and um, uh, they said that uh, at that time that nobody was was operating in a level of miracles uh, and healings as he was that some of the most spectacular healings and miracles uh, that would occur in his ministry and he had uh, it, you know people get healed out of wheelchairs and crutches and he'd have all these things up on the stage you know he was kind of a showman too right so he had all these props on the stage from where people had really been healed i mean it, it, since it was jack Coe, he might have thrown in a few that he bought at the goodwill store too i don't know you know but uh, because uh, he's kind of that guy, you know, kind of, I want to make sure everybody really knows what God's doing. Uh, and, well, God doesn't need my help, but, you know, sometimes we, we think he does, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, where he would raise uh, raise up somebody from a wheelchair, they said that uh, that he was one of the meanest Christians that you'd ever dealt with, right? That uh, uh, when he, he never walked in love with people, he'd just be really mean to people all the time. Uh, and... Um, and they said about him that uh, that he was big as a horse and ate like one too, uh, and so you know. Uh, now, uh, is there any particular amount that you're supposed to eat, right? I mean, you know, it's whatever you whatever the Lord shows you, right? Uh, and um, uh, and so, but can you get, can you go overboard in that? Well, you can, right? And so, uh, so apparently he was a hefty fella, you know. I don't I don't know him, but you know, apparently that that was. And then you know, a lot of times he would. Uh, uh, be praying for people, and some spectacular miracle would, would occur, right? Somebody get, you know, off of, off of crutches or a cancer that was obvious would just fall off their body. Some spectacular miracle that was visible to the naked eye, right? Not just, well, you know, my feelings were hurt. Can you pray for me? Okay, I'm healed, you know. I mean, would you know? You wouldn't really know. But, you know, if you don't have an arm and now you have one, people would know, right? Uh, and so so th- some spectacular miracle would occur in, in the ministry, and he would stop the service and receive an offering right then. Well, why would he do that? Well, you know, what's everybody thinking as soon as he's, you know, as soon as somebody gets healed? Well, how much is somebody willing to give when they see that? Well, just wipe out the bank account here. Just take it all, right? You know, he wouldn't do it at the end of the service. You know, after, after all the emotions had kind of calmed down a little bit, he wouldn't do it at the beginning of service before anything exciting happened. He'd wait till right after a, a spectacular miracle and, and that way, he can get the most out of your pocketbook, right? Well, well, that's really terrible, right? I mean, you know, people do things like that. You know, I'm going to play on your emotions to get more out of your bank account, right? And, well, I need it. You know, I, you know, I, got, I got bills to pay, right? Whatever, you know, everybody's got bills to pay. So. so there were several areas of his life that he just did not want to uh, get right with the Lord, right? In fact, and so the Lord sent ministers to him. You need to go and, and talk to him about the situation. And some of them are like, I ain't going. You go, I'm not going, you know. Because uh, uh, he'd be, they, they, I mean, they, they, uh, they'd heard stories where he'd smack somebody or hit somebody, you know. Uh, you know but then he'd go into church and, and somebody get, you know, raised up out of a wheelchair, you know. Well, how does that work, you know? Just the calling of God in your life, you know, is without repentance. The Lord, the Lord picks who he picks and that's who he picks, Right. And, and uh, it's not for us to judge that. Uh, and yet there was a lot of people like that. You know, other ministers that were big in healing died of alcoholism, you know, and just crazy things like that, you know, that uh, was going on in those people's lives. Uh, and they said, well, if he doesn't change, within two years he'll be dead. And sure enough, in two years he died. You know, he died at like 38 years old. He, he 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 wasn't even halfway through his life. He died. Right. He could have lived another, another 38 years easily and, and no telling what kind of miracles uh, uh, the world would have seen if he had gotten right with the Lord, right? So being in the will of God is really important. Uh, and, and the thing is, the, the, the more of the power of God that you experience, the more of the, the power of God that you walk in in your day-to-day life, the more important it is for you to live in the will of God. Because we've seen from examples, you know, like with Moses, I think is, is one of the best examples that Moses uh, walked with God Probably one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Maybe the, Greek, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, in my opinion. But, um, but yet, uh, he sinned. How many times did he sin before he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land? A single time, right? Just one time. Uh, you think, well, that's really harsh, you know. Uh, but, I mean, the Lord revealed himself to him. The Lord said about Moses, he said, I speak to him face to face. All of you, all other people, I speak to you in visions and in words, but him, I speak to him face to face. Uh, you know, there was no other prophet that I know of in the Old Testament that could do that. Uh, and yet he sinned one time and didn't get to go in the promised land. So what so that tells us, then, don't get close to God, right? Is that what that tells us? No, that's dumb, right? That would be a dumb conclusion of that. No, uh, because uh, he saw things that nobody else saw. I'd rather see things that nobody else saw and be still be held to a higher standard than see nothing and the Lord not care what I, what I do or how I live, right? But the Lord still cares, doesn't he? Yeah. He does because did the children of Israel get to go to the promised land? No, uh, two of them did, right? Jacob and, and um, um, e, Josh, Joshua and Caleb. Uh, i thinking Jacob and Esau because we're reading about Jacob and Esau, but uh, that's like, Esau didn't go in the promised land. Esau would not have been qualified for sure, but uh, Joshua and Caleb got to go in the promised um, in the promised land, but the rest of them didn't because they'd sinned 10 times. Now, here's the thing. Although they sinned those 10 times, you know, now if they had sinned nine times and stopped, they'd have gotten to go in this promised land, right? So it's better, but all those people, how many miracles did they do for the Lord? Zero. So they do, they got to do no miracles for the Lord, got to live however they wanted to, but eventually caught up with them. Well, how is that better than... than Seeing the, the, the reality of God, person to person, have him speak to you face to face, living like that every day. And, and, you know, Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, right? Moses wrote the whole book of Genesis. Well, he wasn't there when God created Adam and Eve. He wasn't there when, when uh, God sent the flood. And he wasn't there when, when God started a covenant with Abraham. Didn't know, uh, didn't see the 12 uh, children of, of Israel get born in the earth. But the Lord revealed all that to him, uh, and you know, it, it's it, they're spectacular books that the Lord had him write entirely by revelation. That's pretty good, right? I'd rather have all that and still be held to a higher standard than, okay, I may I got to worship at a dead calf, right, made out of gold. How is that better than seeing God, right? Uh, how is it better than, than than what Moses experienced, right? Get to go up in the mountain and and be up there for 40 days, and the Lord take care of him, right, and come down, the glory of God's on his face. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, he sinned one time, didn't get to go, but he got to do all those other things, right? And the Lord told him, go up on the, on the mountain and look over the promised land, and, uh, and then go die. You know, I, I'd be thrilled when it's time, my time to go. He said, Lord, uh, okay, you go up there and, and um, go look over over the land, and, and uh, you're coming home tomorrow. Praise God, that's way better than getting run over by a truck, isn't it? You know, well, you just never know when your time's up. Moses knew exactly when his time was up, right? He lived the whole life of the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, it's time to go. All right, then let's go. That's the way I want to go. I want to go like, well, you should never know. You just never know. You walk outside, you do. I mean, you never know, right? I mean, what in the world, you know? That's the way the, the nation of Israel lived, right? You just never know. Earth might open up, eat you, right? I mean, how many of got swallowed up by the earth? I mean, uh, there, the earth, there it goes again, eating people again. Uh, you just never know. Earth might just swallow you up, up right, tomorrow. Moses never lived in that fear, so... Is it better to live in the, in, in the will of God? Yes. But the only way you're going to do that is to surrender 100% to God, right? In every area of your life, in areas that you don't want to surrender, you need to surrender them to God. And and, uh, uh, and all the blessings of the Lord are always on the other side of obedience, right? Uh, and so it'd be helpful to you to uh, uh, be aware in your own life, uh, Lord, is there any area of my life where I'm unwilling to yield to you or to surrender to you. Uh, and if there is, just know that that could be it. I'm not cursing anybody, you know, well, you know, hex on you for not doing that. Uh, but it could be an area that will allow the devil to come into your life uh, and to bring sickness and disease. Amen. So just be careful about those things, right? Because, uh, uh, well, nothing's happened yet. Well, dummy, you know, just keep rolling the dice. You know, they'll come up sevens eventually, right? Uh, and so... Um, let's see what time we got there. So uh, maybe uh, we got time for um, uh, one more here. Turn over to Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 11. Here in uh, Mark 11, it says in verse 25, it says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you, forgive your trespasses. So uh, the area of unforgiveness where you're unwilling to pardon somebody in your life can be a hindrance to you receiving uh, healing. Amen. Because really forgiveness like anything else, it's a sin or a slight against God, right? Because the Lord told us to forgive, and yet we're, we're unwilling to forgive. And so it's really not anything that's unusual as far as a sin goes, but it is a common issue in a lot of people's lives because people just do unkind things to people, right? Uh, and so when we, when we do those unkind things, sometimes the receiving party doesn't want to forgive. Uh, and, and so the, the worst scenario is somebody does something to you and brings harm into your life and then you stay in unforgiveness and open the door for the devil. And now you're doubled up on your, on the harm brought to your life and you hadn't even started it, right? You didn't start this, but somebody else started it and, but you're doubled up in your own difficulties in your life. Uh, and yeah, that's a shame, but, um, but we need to forgive, right? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, people, Say things, well, I'm trying to forgive. There's no trying, it's doing, right? Uh, People say stuff like that, well, I'm trying. Well, you know, really what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, get to where their emotions, uh, that old man doesn't rise up every time they think of that person. And when that doesn't happen, then then they'll decide that they've forgiven them. No, forgiveness is an act of faith. It's not a feeling, amen? So what does the word forgive mean? It means to pardon, right? Uh, and, the, and if you think of it that way, it's where you, as a sovereign act of your will, chooses to pardon somebody or release them from the debt of the sin that they committed against you. And, Lord, uh, and you say, Lord, I choose to cause their account to, to be wiped clean, as far as they're concerned with me, right? As far as them doing anything with me, then I choose to pardon them. A grant, I grant them a pardon in their life. That that uh, whatever they've done to me, I choose to say that it's zero. Now that's what forgiveness is. Uh, now, does that require any emotions on your part? Does it require you to to, to feel different, right, or to not remember anything, or to or to um, make excuse for somebody's action? Well, they didn't mean to do that. No, it's not got nothing to do with any of those things. It's just simple act of faith. Lord, I choose. To acknowledge that they have account against me, that they have things that they that uh, they've done to me, and I choose to to mark that account clean and act as if they never did anything to me. Uh, now that's that's forgiveness, right? Now you know forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust somebody. From you know if they if they lied on you or they stole from you, well I forgave them so now I need to give them my my my. Um, A mother's maiden name, a bank account number, right? My favorite teacher in high school and give them all those details. No, you don't have to do that, right? You can still be wise about people and maybe they can't be part of your life. That's between you and the Lord in deciding that. But as far as you're concerned, they have no account uh, in regards to you, right? And so that's really where we see. I think Stephen is a great example, right? Where he said, Father, forgive them Uh, as they were stoning him. Father, I'm asking you, Father, on their behalf that nothing they've done to me is held to their account. And that's really usually the exact words that I pray when somebody does something to me. I say, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you that nothing they've done to me is held to their account. Um, and, and I choose to have zero account with them, and I'm going to live as if they've never done anything to me. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you don't remember what they did, right? Uh, well, I, you know, I'll forget, but I'll never forget. You know, that's that's really... Uh, I mean, you can't really forget anyway, but uh, when they they say that, that means they're going to be thinking about it all the time. That means they never really did pardon somebody. Oh, yeah, you did it, you know, you rascal, you know. I won't forget what you did, you rascal. Well, you didn't really forgive, you haven't pardoned anybody, right? Uh, And so, and you can really get to a point where it's such a minor thing in your life that you don't ever think about it. You know, oh, yeah, now that you mentioned, I do remember that you did that to me once, a thousand years ago. Uh, But as far as uh, how you live, you need to pardon people, amen. Because, and really, uh, you know, this is this is what Jesus was saying. But you know, things have changed a little bit. Uh, this is us receiving forgiveness because of what we do, which is similar to to uh, Matthew chapter six, turn over to uh, back to Ephesians chapter four. We'll see what uh, what Paul said in the New Testament, because it's really things have changed. So we don't. Uh, we don't forgive in order to obtain forgiveness. That's kind of what Jesus was implying there, which was fine before the cross. But now we live after the cross. So he said here in um, Ephesians 4, 32. And be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So we live in the New Testament, right? We live in the epistles of the church. So we don't forgive so that God will forgive us. That's what, you know, that was necessary before the cross. But now that we've gone through the cross, we forgive because God's already forgiven us. So why, why are we holding something against them? Because he's forgiven them. So you need to forgive them, right? And he's forgiven you. So why can't you forgive somebody else? Well, you don't know what they've done to me. What would you do to the Lord? You know, one, one, one sin against an, an almighty, perfect, holy and just God is way worse than anything anybody's ever done to you. I know it may be hard to believe, but uh, it's true, right, according to, to uh, Matthew 18. Uh, and so, so uh, we forgive because God's already forgiven us, amen? Uh, so don't think, well, you know, uh, uh, well, if, I'm not, if I don't forgive, God won't forgive me. He, he's already, cause what's he say right there? He's already forgiven you, right? He forgave you on the cross. So you already stand in a position of, of forgiving forgiven. What he's needing you to do is this is forgiveness he's talking about is between people and people, right? Uh, and so we need to forgive because it can be a hindrance uh, and you can get into bitterness and, and you can get into uh, uh, where you get a broken heart. And that's the whole discussion there. But, um, uh, but we, need to, we need to live uh, where anytime somebody does something to us, uh, just as soon as we can, we need to pardon them in our hearts. And, and I just mean as soon as we can, you know, maybe you can't do it in the middle of a restaurant or something like that, but uh, uh, just as soon as I can, you know, and I'll pray that uh, just, you know, just as quick as I can. And Lord, I don't want anything done to me. Now, I can't, you know, I can't uh, forgive them for something even to somebody else, you know, but as far as me, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to live as if they've never done anything to me. In fact, that's one of the things that I say just for my own sake on a regular basis is, is I'm going to live as if nobody's ever done anything to me. Uh, and then that way, um, I'm going to stay in forgiveness. I choose to stay in forgiveness. Amen. Amen. I'm not sticking my head in the sand. I'm not acting like, you know, th- these things didn't happen, but I'm just going to choose to pardon every single one of them. Amen. Uh, and so, um, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up, uh, there, uh, next week. So we don't want to have an unforgiving spirit, but, um, um, uh, but we can get it. We can, uh, we can forgive, can't we? Amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for the word today. So, Father, we thank you uh, for your word. And, Father, we thank you that we can choose to walk by faith, stay in your will, Father, uh, and forgive those around us. Father, we don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be on fire for you and know desperately every day that we need you, Father, in every area of our life. And, Father, we thank you for that. And, Lord, we desire to stay healed and well all the time, Father. We don't want to live a life of sick and then healed and sick and healed. Father, your perfect will would be for us to live in divine health all the days of our lives. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, I, I think these are uh, really good points that he brings out uh, because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of these things in people's lives where they just can't seem to get healed. And, uh, and it could be uh, one or more of these things. Amen. The nice thing is, if there are any of these things, can you do something about it? Well, sure you can, right? You can repent or forgive or do whatever that the Lord instructs you to do, and um, and all will be well. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's uh, offering. And um, I think uh, three weeks from today, uh, Brother Randy will be here with us, so he'll do uh, healing school that particular day. And uh, looking forward to seeing him. And the Lord's healed them uh, in some spectacular ways there. Amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And I'd encourage you, you know, in any of these areas, you know, with the Lord, you know, because uh, I think we've talked about 22 of them or something like that. There's twenty, twenty-two 22 different uh, things here. Um, you know, the Lord may prompt you about one or two of them for you in particular. And if the Lord does that, you know, make sure that you deal with it. However, he tells you to deal with it. Right. Um Deal, deal, if he tells you to forgive, then, then just do that, amen? That's part of surrendering your life to the Lord because on occasion he will reveal things to you that, hey, for you particularly, there, here's an area of your life that you need to resolve, amen, that you need to deal with. Um, and, then, uh, and be thankful, Well, Lord, you know, I didn't know that yesterday, so thanks for telling me that. I'll straighten up and do that today, amen? So uh, be blessed, have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.